Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, my favorite listeners. So, all of you. <laughs> Today, I bring you two remastered episodes from the Crime Does Not Pay old time radio series, and boy oh, it was a challenge. This one had a lot of issues. Pops, clicks, and strange bass issues that I've never encountered before. So bear with me on this one. Some parts of the audio were just warbles for no reason. Either way though, I got a huge chunk of that out, whilst retaining as much as possible of the original audio. Also, fun fact, I think this episode was the first time I've ever encountered double audio echo on old time radio episodes. Anyway, your feedback, mates, is welcome here. Whether you like it or hate it, let me know. Crime Does Not Pay is like being strapped into a roller coaster ride. One that starts not when your seatbelt is on, but as soon as your butt meets the chair. This episode launches you right into the thick of it. So yep, this is something different than our usual OTRs, mates. But what is usual is your tale-teller bringing something different to the table. Before we start, I want to thank those that put the bounce in my step every single day. And I'm going to try and do it with some 1940s moxie flair. I hope you like it. <laughs> Matthew J. Bauer, the Mafia's the mastermind. Dames hold their partners close, and chromdoms count their pennies. Sure! Matthew's got the letters to put anyone out of business. This guy, he makes an Amici and just like that, poof, that fat head is 10 feet under. Don't mess with the mafiosa unless you got the moxie. Maya the Dame of Club Fair. So a guy walks in and he stamps your cap, throwing the letters around like he owns the joint. What this fat head don't know is that Maya, the Dame of Club Fair is watching and this geezer is living on borrowed time. Not only is she a jive bomber, but she'll bust your chops if you ain't playing the game. So this cheesy fella ain't gonna be walking straight for a couple of days, you hear? Don't mess with Maya, the Dame of Club Fair. Goodness, 1940 slang. Love it. And it is as tricky as it is fun to say. Mates, thanks to both of you, my shock mount came in for the microphone. Woo! What this does is allows the microphone to remain completely steady and void of any bumps, hits, or wobbles that would resonate into the mic at any point. Even something as simple as me, you know, breathing on it really hard. You could knock it and wobble it, and you'd hear it. So, super duper handy. Can't wait to use it. And thank you both so much. And my white tea warlords. I own Cal's hoof pin. This fella, he's something different, see? He manages all the milk that enters and leaves this city. The hoofpin is just an alias, of course. He ain't getting no bum rap for nothing. Some say he's punk cow himself. In love with the milk supply in the city that he controls. Many chrome dome fatheads have woken up in their cribs with a liter of milk empty and leaking on their bedsheets. That is a message from the hoofpin. Stay the hoof out of his city. Lee Bauer, aka Moxie Max, said to have gunned down 10 people with five bullets. No one knows how he did it. They always get out of his way. Max and Max ain't no chrome dome, no cheeser, no old time letters swaying geezer. If you see him in the street, stay on the beam. Don't snap your cap and leave him be. Moxie Max, you ain't worth his time. 
Thank you both for being so supportive. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't know how lucky I am for your support. Cheers, mates. And my old grain forces. Chad Warren. Just Heather. Lorraine Crisanto. Paige Marcini. Peter Raffili. Michelangelo Yaconi. Robert Fisher. And Tasha Moncrief. Thank you all for supporting this podcast. If you want to help it grow, visit my Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash SFGT and check out the rewards I give out. Now, turn off the lights, get cozy, turn up the sound and get ready for something old school. Time does not pay. You were careless, Bugsy, and you can't be careless. Not in this business. What do you mean, careless? The jerk had a ton of rock and cast iron hung on him. How could he come up? I don't know, except the paper says something about gases in the body making the stiff float rocks or no rocks. Sure, it's physics and chemistry, that's what. So now we gotta go to college and study physics. There's no finish for this. What about Carolus' finish? Can you make that scientific? Yeah, I'll make it scientific. I'll fix him good. With an ice pick. In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on the famous Metro-Golden-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear Summertime Take, starring Charles Corbin. Summertime Take. Summertime is a good time for most people. Their vacations and all that goes with them. The resorts, the fun, the games... The freely spent money that has been saved for just this purpose during the other 11 months of the year. And where there is freely spent money, you'll find those who dip their fingers in it for their own purposes. Ozzie White dipped his fingers into that money and came up with double handfuls. Ozzie controlled the slot machines, the one-armed bandits, which stood invitingly in every bar, every casino in the resort area where Ozzie operated. Year in and year out, the nickels, dimes, and quarters flowed through the machines into Ozzie's pockets. And Ozzie had an organization. There was Specs as accountant, for one. Ozzie trusted Specs and listened when he had something to say. I don't like it, boss. It don't look good to me. No, it's wrong. Last year, the machines at Swan Lake gave us twice the take we're getting this year. That's all? Same thing at White Lake. How'd you run across it? Well, just playing around. The figures looked uh, off this summer, but the hotels are as packed with suckers as last year. So I ran a check. Here's the figures. See, boss, 1947, 48, and 1949. Mm-hmm. I see. How do you figure it? Me, I just play with the numbers, boss. And somebody else is playing with the tape. Well, I wouldn't be hasty, boss. Why not? You're sure of your figures, aren't you? <laughs> I ain't no CPA, but I can add and subtract. 
Looks like somebody's been subtracting before we ever see the dough. Bugsy, come on in here. You want me, Ozzy? I called you, didn't I? Who's the collector in the Swan Lake district, Bugsy? Uh, Wallace Sage. You know that. You been around lately? Yesterday. You notice anything different about him? Well, he's got some new shirts. Silk. Anything else? Nothing special. If there was, I'd notice it. Yeah, I guess you would. How about Carol at Carter? Nothing much. Why? Any new shirts? No, nothing. Mm-hmm. Carol, it's collecting for us at White Lake. The take's awful low this year at White and Swan both. I get it. Somebody needs a lesson there. Eh? Yeah. And you're the best teacher I know, Bugsy. So take care of it for me, will you? Nothing like the country in the summer, I always say. Nice of you guys to go out of your way to take me up to the lake. Make nothing of it, Wally. Make nothing of it. Keep your eyes on the road, Smitty. Don't worry about him, Bugsy. Smitty's the best driver I know. I like to sit next to him just to watch him work. (laughs) Bugsy likes the back seat. That's where he works. Uh, That's the lake up ahead, Smitty? Yeah. Pretty in the moonlight, ain't it? Mm, Nice view. There's a better one up ahead. I like this one. Park for a minute, Smitty. Let's enjoy the moonlight. Sure, sure. Never thought you were romantic, Bugsy. Oh, I got my moments. Yeah, you certainly have, Bugsy. Got my moments. Why? Quiet out here. Nearest place is the inn, five miles up the road. That's so. Hear what he said, Smitty? Yeah, I heard. Grab your end of the rope, Smitty. Push me. Oh, no. Cut it, Bugsy. Now hold it. That's a teacher, Wally. When you collect for us, you collect honest and ten in every nickel. Every nickel. He's done, Bugsy. Nothing like it, Smith. Piece of rope over the head from the back seat, crossed ends. You pull on one, I pull the other. The guy just can't make any noise. First pull breaks his windpipe. Yeah, smooth. Smooth. Let's get rid of him. Right. You got enough line to tie him with? No line. Picture wire. Rope a rut in the water to get the stuff out of the trunk. Okay, sure. I always figure this is simpler and faster than a cement jacket. Twice around the ankle. And the arms crossed behind. Very neat. It's a slot machine base, Bunty. Plenty heavy. Now, there's a terrific idea if I say so myself. The jerk dips into the take, so we hang a base around his neck. <laughs> That'll teach him. Uh, twist that wire tight, Smitty. Yeah, I got it. It'll teach him all right, but we'll keep him down. Plenty of rocks. That's why I picked this spot. Here, I'll hitch this one to his feet. Got the clippers? Yeah, my back pocket. Yeah. Good. I'll hold it. Come on, take his head, Smitty. Hey, can't we drag him? He's awful heavy. And leave the marks on the ground? Hmm. Oh, he wouldn't like that. Ready? Lift. Is it far to the point? Just a step or two. Water's kind of deep off the point. Oh, what a night for a swim. Look at the moon on the water. Yeah, Wally liked the country. 
Hey, next time, let's take the body to the edge first and try to wait on there. Hmm. Got something there, Smitty. Ready? Set. Okay. We'll swing him. Toss him out as far as we can. When I say three, let him go. Right with you. One. Two. Three. <laughs> that does it. He'll never come up. Let's go. <laughs> Boy, that'll teach him a lesson. Heavenly up here. You never been to Swan Lake before? No. Have you? It's my second summer. What do you like about it? Oh, everything. Mountains, the sky, and the lake. It's never cold, this lake. Not like summer I've been in. That says it's artificial. Fed by small streams in the mountains that were dammed up years ago. <laughs> what are you, a walking encyclopedia? <laughs> no, a rowing encyclopedia. <laughs> Oh, sometimes I wish that summer could go on forever. Betty? Yes, Jim? Betty, I... Nothing. Jim, are there large fish in this lake? Oh, they stock it with fish from time to time. Trout, mostly. They don't grow very large. I see. Why? I thought I saw fish. It was sort of white and large. Seem to be floating. Well, fish don't float unless they're dead. Over there. Hmm? Look, turn around to the right. Looks more like a white glove to me. Maybe it is. Funny, a glove floating out here. Let's get it, hmm? Am I headed for it? The left door. That's it. Yeah. Now both. <laughs> Good. Hold your course, sailor. Aye, aye, ma'am. Hold it. Go past the thing, whatever it is. Jimmy. What is it? It's attached to something. Let me see. Betty, don't look. For heaven's sake, don't look. What? What is it? It's no glove. It's a human hand tied to another. The body's floating just below the surface of the water. Boss. Boss. Mm. It looks like Bugsy Slippin' here in the paper. Body found in Swan Lake tentatively identified as that of Wally Sage, small time after. Give me that. Yes. From the condition of the body, which was in a remarkable state of preservation, it was judged that the gangster had been dead about a week. Identification was made from the face. Bugsy, come on in here. What's wrong, Ozzy? Wrong. Here, read it. So, came up after. What's the matter? You slip him? I don't see how. Smitty and me, we barely lugged him with a slot machine base tied to his chest and a rock on his feet. Read the end of the story. But he might have remained at the bottom of Swan Lake indefinitely had not the warm waters of the lake accelerated the accumulation of gases within it. 
police authorities pointed out that gases retained within the body brought about the buoyancy sufficient to overcome the weight slashed to the body. Oh, all the rotten luck. Looks like Wally had stomach trouble. Gas. One week. One stupid week and they find him. So what, boss? They can't pin it on us. You are careless, Bertine. You can't be careless. Not in this business. What do you mean, careless? The jerk had a ton of rock and cast iron hung on him. He... How could he come up? I don't know. Except what I read in the papers, but the stiff floated, rocks or no rocks. Sure, it's chemistry and physics, that's worth. So now we've got to go to college and study physics. There's no finish to this. What about Carolet's finish? Can you make that scientific? Yeah. I'll make it scientific. I'll fix him good. With a nice pick. When Smith and I get through with him, he'll stay down forever. <laughs> In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with Summertime Take. from the slot machines went on, and Specs checked his figures on receipts against the preceding years. Again, there was a mysterious discrepancy which was traced to the collections in the White Lake district. Apparently, the lesson taught Wally Sage had failed to have its proper effect on Carolette Carter. And so it happened that once again, a car sped along a highway with Smitty in the driver's seat, Bugsy in his usual place in the rear, and Carolette Carter in front, next to the driver, next to death. Like the country, Carolot? I can take it or leave it alone. <laughs> uh, this is your district here, isn't it? Sure. Sure, this is White Lake right here. Any points of interest around here, huh? What do you mean, points of interest? Like views or something. I wouldn't know. I tend to business strictly. Mm, that's so. Well, well, well. Ever been in uh, swimming? Too cold for me. So I heard. Springford Lake, ain't it? I suppose. I leave that to the same jerks who play on machines. Suckers. Does anybody ever win? Hmm? Once in a while. Gotta have a come on. So we let a couple of them hit the jackpot. But mostly they get three lemons. <laughs> hey, where are you slowing down for? We'll never make the hotel for midnight at this rate. I got plenty of time. Just want to look at the view. Since when are you interested in the beauties of nature, Smitty? It's a few weeks now, especially in lakes with cold water, nice deep spots. Yeah, especially in lakes with cold water. What's with you guys? You are, Carolette. Yeah, well, not for long. Time's up, Carolette. Well, you've got to learn to swim lesson like Buddy. Don't ever try to put it on one over on Ozzy. Pull, Smitty. A bullet. Just got a tough rope. Here. Here's the ice. Ice picture. Where did I give it to him? In the belly. So the gas will get out. Right. Come on, Smitty. Give it to him. Fix him up like a soup strainer. The more holes, the merrier. Let's move in. You betcha. Where's the boat? Hit it in that clump of bushes yesterday. The rocks and slot machine base are in it. This one ain't never gonna come up after we're dumping him.
Bugsy, meet Bullets Morgan. How are you? Where to know you? Ozzy tells me you know your business. Thanks. Bullets is the new collector up White Lakeway. Yeah. Ozzy told me I used to care of my uh, predecessor for him. <laughs> Nothing to it. Two months now, and he's still feeding the fish. Yeah? Thanks, Skinner, Ozzy. You got your radio on? No, why? There's a news broadcast in a minute. You better catch it. Why? It's all over town. They found Carolus. What? That's all I know. The newsboy sent it out. You can get it on the radio. See you later. Bugsy. Turn on the radio, will you? Nothing on now but news. I know. Turn it on. Sure, sure. I knew you were interested in their national situation, Ozzy. I'm not. Business is too good around here. Shut up now and listen. And so much for the news picture overseas. You're at home with sensational developments of the discovery of the body of Carolyn Carter. Found floating in White Lake upstate. Carter, a monster thought to have been connected with a gambling racket, was strangled and stabbed at least 15 times, probably with an ice pick. Wired to his body were several ways, and it is apparent that he had... He couldn't come up. He just couldn't. But he did. I don't see how. He was so full of holes that gas just couldn't stay in. But it did. When did you use the pick on him, Bugsy? What do you mean? Before or after you killed him? During. Oh, you gotta do it after. Why? We had a job like this back in Detroit. When you stick him before, the blood runs to the holes and stops him up, see? I get it. I never thought of that. It looks like you never thought of a lot of things, Bugsy. About two months, Aziz. It? Two months? It's a cold lake. It's like an icebox. What do you want me to do about it? Two months. There's nothing you can do about it. We just got to ride along and watch our step for a while, that's all. They can't tie it to us. Well, next time you'll know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, that's that. When are you going to show bullets his territory, Bugsy? Anytime he's ready. No time like the present, I always say. Why not? Smith has got a car. We can fire up now. Suits me. Okay with you, Ozzy? Sure. The quicker the better. Go on, beat it, both of you. Have a good time. But don't play the machines. That's a sucker's operation. <laughs> You like country. Hey, remember how Wally liked the moon on the lake and then overcomes the rope? You two really have that operation down to a science. And how? Bugsy sits back where you are, see? The victim sits where Bugsy is right now, next to me. We stop the car. Bugsy throws the rope over his head. We each take an end. ba ba boo That's all. Hmm. Neat. Quick. Quiet. To sell. Neat. Quick. Quiet. Victim sits where Bugsy is. All right, right now. How's Ozzy to work for us, Smitty? Okay, swell. But he don't like two things. Guys would steal from him, and guys would make the same mistake twice. You can't say I blame him. The same mistake twice. Ozzy doesn't like that. And I'm sitting where the victim sits. Who is this bullet smoking anyway? Why didn't Ozzy give the collecting job to Smitty? He was in line for it, or to me. 
the matter, Bugsy? He ain't said nothing for five minutes. Uh, nothing to say, just uh, watching the scenery. Sure is deserted around here. Yeah, that's why we do most of our jobs in this neighborhood. This is the neighborhood. Why did Smith make this road? Did Ozzy bring his bullets in to do a special job? That's what. And me. That's why we're out here. Me, I'm next. Next on the hit parade. What's the matter, Bugsy? You sick? You shaking like a leaf? Uh, no, uh, nothing. What's the matter, guy? You seen a ghost? Hey, when Bugsy gets to see ghosts, brother, it'll be more than one. Kidding. Like I did with the others. They're trying to keep me from seeing where we're heading. Hey, Bugsy, you want I should stop for a minute? No. No, no, don't stop. Hey, what's with you? You don't get me. Not like with Wally and Carolus. I know the trick. You don't get me. He's gone nuts, Bugsy. Cut it out. No, no, I'm getting out. I want to live. You don't get me. You don't get me. Hey, Bugsy, leave that door alone. Bugsy, you're nuts. No, I'm getting out. I'm getting away now before you tie her up to my feet. Up all Come on, Smitty. we got to find him. Brother, how do you have our neck? Yeah, find him. In these woods at night? Where? Which way did he go? Back this way. Into the trees. No, no. You don't get me in no woods. Not with Bugsy nuts and packing a piece. Besides which, I ain't no Indian. I hate the country. Tonight, I know how they got it, and I was going to get it too, only I jumped before... How do you know how they got it? I, uh, 
I did it both times, but I want to live. I got to live. You can save me, but you got to help me. I'll tell you everything. Please, please, come for me. They're looking for me now. Hurry, hurry. I live in jail. I'll find I'm dead. I'm dead. Come for me. I don't want to open the water and the gas inside. I'm afraid. Afraid. Hurry, please. Charles Corbin, who was starred as Bugsy Portnoy in Crime Does Not Pay, will be back with you in just a moment. Now, here in person is Charles Corbin. Believe me, Bugsy Portnoy was an interesting character to portray because his swaggering, his viciousness, and his eventual and inevitable breakdown are typical of the small-time gangster with his usual delusions of grandeur. However, it is just as interesting to notice the contempt in which the other characters held the plain people whose coins in the slot machines made up the summertime take. These are people like you and me. People will lend their support to criminals because we don't stop to think about what we are doing. Because we are misled so many times by the simple words, innocent amusement. You see, in the end, it is up to us to stop this kind of criminal activity by the simple act of refusing to lend it our support under any and all circumstances. Yes, in the end, it is the plain people, the good citizens, who can prove that crime does not pay. Thank you, Charles Corbin. Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark D. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Gart. Technical advisor is Burton B. Turkis. The event characters and names used in the story you've just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely to you, Mrs. Forster, is talk. Not me. Nobody makes me talk. You're going before the grand jury in three days. You'll have to talk. If you don't admit what we know you know, Mrs. Forster, you'll be indicted for perjury. So what? You think I care? Will you support me? Will your grand jury pass the hat or something? They'd rather look at my legs. They'd pay for that all right if I was still in show business. And get this, you great, big, legal hotshot. My husband is worth more to me dead than alive. In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on a famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear Trigger Man's Mall, starring Nancy Kelly. Thank <laughs> you.
Crime Does Not Pay, starring Nancy Kelly as Liza Foster in Trigger Man's Mall. There is a big business in America called simply organized crime. Its tentacles spread into many parts of American life. And when one is cut off, others seem to grow in its place. This is the surface pattern. But beneath the surface, this kind of crime is as complex and highly organized as any huge legitimate corporation. There's a board of directors. There are contact men and salesmen. There are distributors and collectors. And when the collectors fail, there are agencies whose sole duty it is to bring the delinquent account to organized crime's own particular brand of bankruptcy. Him, Tootsie, that's him. Croker, can't you whisper? Not since I took a slug in my windpipe. You see him? Just passed under that lamppost. Okay, I got him. Beat it. You don't have to tell me, Tootsie. You don't have to tell me. Sorry, Allie, you didn't pay off. About to. The car is gray. Spotlight on the driver's side. They'll take the corner pretty fast. Ready, Swifty? I'm in first. All I gotta do is let out the clutch. Watch it, Tootsie. It's him, Tootsie. Heard you the first time, Croker. Okay, Swifty. I'd like to hear the radio. More coffee, Charlie? Uh, thanks, no, Liza. It makes me nervous. Can't do my best work. Andy, dear? Yeah, a little. Bank killing last Be quiet. Winter. I want to hear this, fellow. And the rapid succession of killings in recent weeks points to a rising crime wave in this city. Why hasn't the city administration done something? In the last case, the machine gunning of Casey Carter's automobile on Prince Street in broad daylight, only a miracle saved passers-by from injury and death. When will something be done to I thought he had something. Oh, do they ever. Just talk. Well, Tootsie, my boy. Why do you always call him Tootsie? His name is Andrew, Andrew Foster. It's just a nickname, Liza. Like mine, the bug. Oh, for heaven's sake. Do men ever grow up? Only when it's time to go to the office, darling, which is right now. Uh, where's my briefcase, dear? No, on the hall table with your hat. Uh, home early? Well, I... I don't know. Charlie, make him leave the office early tonight. I want to see that picture down the street. Liza, your word is our command. Mr. Forster, you are leaving early tonight. And thanks for the breakfast, Liza. Wish I were lucky enough to be married. Good morning, Mr. Foster. Mr. Morgan. Good morning, Daisy. Any mail, Daisy? It's on your desk, Mr. Foster. There's a special memo for you right on top, sir. Oh, thanks. See you later, Charlie. Right. Lunch, maybe, if you're not too busy? Maybe so. Oh, now, let's see. Oh, well, well. Yes, Mr. Foster? Daisy, did you type this memo I have from Mr. Ennis? Yes, sir. About the matter you're to look into at 419 Oleander Place? Yeah, that's the one. Who's the commission agent on the deal? Uh, Mr. Croker Thompson, I believe, sir. Thank you, Daisy. 
Oh, Daisy, if my wife calls while I'm out, tell her I expect to be finished early so she can look for me around 4.30 this afternoon. Say, Tootsie, what you using today? My Luger, why? I was hoping it was going to be your rifle. Boy, you're sweet with a rifle. None better. <laughs> Thank you, Swifty. I like those jobs myself. Especially that last one with the telescopic sack. Uh-huh. Start your motor, Swifty. Right. Uh, is that him with, uh, with Kroger? That's him. Look at him smile. Yeah. Not a worry in the world. Not in a minute he won't have. Unlock your door for Kroger. Yep. What you waiting for, Tootsie? I don't waste ammunition. No, like I was saying, there ain't a reason in the world why you should be sore, Jersey. Not a reason. Swifty, my pal. Hi, old-timer. Get in, Crocus. Slam that door. Right there. I thought you'd never pull that trigger. I did. Where to, Tootsie? Well, we'll we'll drop Croker, and then you come on home for a drink. I will wet. This is us, Swifty. There's forefront. Oh, not a bad layout. Not bad at all. Beauty of it is, there's a fire stair built into the house. Two exits. Get it? Not gaudy, but me. Is that you, Andy? Yes, dear. Swifty's with me. Well, you don't have to warn me, darling. Charlie and Elaine are inside. Oh, that's nice. Hi, Miss Foster. Hello, Mr. Emmons. I, uh, I heard about Charlie's girl. She, uh, everything they say she is? You will see in a minute. Living room's this way. Now, that's my Andy's here, Mr. Reynolds. Oh. Oh. Hey, Tootsie and Swifty. Sorry I missed lunch, fellow. Hello, Elaine. <laughs> the poor working man. What do you keep, bankers' hours? Uh, just about... Oh, Elaine, this is huh? Swifty Reynolds. Mr. Reynolds, uh, Miss Carteret. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mr. Reynolds. How are you, Miss Carteret? Everything okay today downtown, Tootsie? Right as rain. How was the market? Not bad. I'd say uh, bullish as far as we're concerned. Yeah, always is. Oh, things always go well when men enjoy their work. I don't believe anybody enjoys work after a while. Well, maybe a change of scene would do you some good. I don't see what you two have to complain about. I see Charlie whenever he's free, but you two. Oh, gee, we're here. Sometimes a man thinks of retiring, you know. <laughs> you are. Oh, you are tired, darling. Maybe it's because I just don't see an end anywhere. What do you mean, partner? Nothing, I guess. You must mean something. Yeah, something. Why don't you let him be? He's tired. I'm tired of a lot of things. Just Well, when things get routine, when it's too easy to do any kind of a job, you begin to get a sort of a conscience. Is that it? Conscience? Maybe so. Never quite thought of it like that before. Say that again, Swifty. Well, I, uh, I uh, wouldn't have thought anything. Uh, only the day after he said that about a conscience, it took him two shots to complete a deal, and that ain't like Tootsie. No, it isn't. Maybe he doesn't like his work anymore. Could be. All right, Swifty, you can go. 
Charlie, the bug is outside. Tell him to wait a few minutes. Yes, sir. Well, Vic. He's a good man, Jonesy. Was a good man. You seem pretty sure. He's showing all the symptoms. After a while, none of them can take it. Hmm. What about his wife? A smart babe. She don't have to know. And if she guesses, she'll keep her mouth shut. Besides, without a corpus delicti. Hmm. All right. I'll get Charlie. Now, there's a good man. Come in, Charlie. Right. Well, Vic, John G. Yeah. Soon? In cases like this, the sooner the better. I'm his best friend. You know the rules. Who else? Where? You pick it. Disposal? Call Daisy. Ask her for the disposal squad. All right. When? Tomorrow morning. After breakfast. called me yesterday, Andy. Did I tell you? No. Anything special? Well, she wants us to meet her and Charlie for dinner tonight. Well, if I can. Oh, you're not going out of town again. I had a note from Vic yesterday late. He said I might have to. Oh. Where's Charlie this morning? I'm picking him up at Max's. Oh, that's funny. Why? Well, he's always here. Even Charlie likes to change the routine once in a while for luck. I see. For luck. Don't you believe him? Charlie never needs luck. Every man needs it sometimes. When his luck runs out. Uh, Andy, I'm... I'm worried about you. You, You've been so upset lately. Me? Upset? Look at that hand. Steady as a rock. Let's see now. Briefcase, top coat, hat. Andy, kiss me, please. Sure, sure. How's that? No, no, Andy. Like this. Well, I don't think he was going off to the moon, not just out of the office. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, darling. Oh, good morning, Charlie. Where's Max? Stepped out for a few minutes. Don't move, Tootsie. It'll be quicker that way. Too bad you had to get a conscience. Too bad. Charlie, I think... Daisy, this is the bug. There's a situation at Max's place needs clearing up. Send the disposal squad over at once. In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with Trigger Man's Mall. <laughs>
continue with Crime Does Not Pay, starring Nancy Kelly as Liza Foster in Trigger Man's Mall. Liza said goodbye to Tootsie that last morning without a second thought. When he failed to come home that night, she felt certain he'd been called away suddenly, and she'd hear from him in a day or so. A day went by, and another, and still another. Just silence. She ran into Charlie on the street the fourth day Tootsie was unheard from. But don't you know, Charlie? Tootsie didn't say a word. But that's so funny. I, I thought you of all people... Oh, you know how it is in business. Yes. Yes, I suppose I do. Take it easy, kid. Tootsie's probably someplace where he can't get in touch with anybody. That's all. May I... May I speak with Daisy, please? Oh, this is Mrs. Foster, Daisy. Oh, yes, Mrs. Foster. I wouldn't bother you at the office, but I haven't had any word of my husband for a week now. Do you know where he went? I'm sorry, Mrs. Foster, but we have absolutely no information as to his present whereabouts. I'm awfully glad you came over, Elaine. It's dull here, alone. How's Charlie? <laughs> Fresh and smooth as ever. You know, he hasn't been here in two weeks. Not since the morning before Tootsie went away. Ah, he's been pretty busy. You know, it's funny in a way. For weeks, that man of yours dropped in here every morning to go downtown with Tootsie. And the first morning he doesn't show up is the day Tootsie goes away and doesn't come back. Aren't you adding two and two and getting five, Liza? Maybe not. I'd like to see Charlie. Why don't, why don't you both come over some evening? We'll have some fun. Please, <laughs> a crowd, Liza, dear. <laughs> well, tell Charlie to bring a friend for me. I'm young, Elaine, and not too bad looking. I, I don't expect to spend my life just looking at these four walls, you know. Excuse me, dear. Of course, Charlie. Hello, Miss Foster. Swifty, won't you come in? Uh, sorry, Miss Foster, uh, no time just now. Um, I have an envelope for you. Tootsie's okay. You'll hear from me. But Swifty... So long, Miss Foster, I'll be saying. Goodbye, Swifty. An envelope. Well, you won't learn anything from the outside of it. Hmm? Oh, no, no, I, I suppose not. Mmm, long green, isn't it? A pretty picture. It's a nice round number, too. A hundred bucks. From Tootsie, do you think? You heard what Swifty said. He didn't say the money came from Tootsie. <laughs> I told Charlie, I told him. Uh, let's see now. Uh, I got it. To the guy who gave his wife the happiest two years of her life by staying away from her. Yeah, that's $10,000. 10 G's. That's 10 grand. Hey, what's with you, honey? Money in the bank? I'm figuring. 100 weeks and 100 a week, 10,000 smack. Any man worth that. Hey, what started? My that? insurance policy. Every week I get $100 from Christmas. Hey, you know I almost forgot about that? Not bad, though, is it? 
All you got to do is sit here quietly. It's worth five G's every year. <laughs> Tootsie was a good provider, but never that good. Well, Swifty isn't pretty, but I sure enjoy it. Isaac, shut up. What's that racket out there? Isaac, put our glasses away. Drop the ashtrays quickly. You've been here alone. Grab your hat and leave. Elaine, Elaine, you mink. You don't want the cops to get that to you. You know the way, Charlie. Tootsie's fire tower, the second exit, you bet. Come on, Elaine. You see, I never went through a way before. Just a minute. on the beach at Miami. You see, there you are. You're charming in a bathing suit, Mrs. Forster. That is not me. Just somebody you'd like a jury to think of. And there's your husband. And there's a close-up of Vic Ennis lighting your cigarette. And of course you recognize Charlie and the I never went to Miami. Never. You seem to be having a fine time in Miami in those movies, Mrs. Forster. I never saw any of those people, any of them. Do you get it? All right, Sergeant. Yes? Uh, well, all right. Go to it. Sergeant, take this Jane back to her room. The boys have located Charlie and his mouth over at a place called Max's. Let's go. Give me another one, Ellie. I'm loading as fast as I can. Not fast enough. When I find a rat who tipped off the flesh. Get back away from the window. Oh. Oh, 
quiet. This is what they want. This is what they put you in with. Me. You told. You squealed on Charlie and they shot him in the Shut belly. Up, you idiot. It was pussy. Really. I'll kill you. Let me get my hands on I'll kill you. Stay away from me now. Stay away I'm from me. Dying of a bulletin. Cuts on you did it. You did it because you know he did what Elaine, <laughs> Elaine, let go. Let go. You walk out with my bare hands. like you and like me. 
believe me, there's much that you as good citizens can do to head off organized crime, to prevent people like these from, from riding roughshod through our community. It's a warning to decent citizens as well as to potential criminals when we tell you that crime does not pay. Thank you, Nancy Kelly. Crime Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark C. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Garth. Mates, what did you think? I gotta say, after working hard on this one, I'm going to spend more time listening to this series so I can really pinpoint the best episodes for your lovely ears. Yes, it does steamroll through the plot, wasting no time on introductions, and has more audio issues than most series. But this series, I think, needs to be given a little more of a chance. I think the biggest issue here is, at least for me, is that it was a little harder to follow than the other OTRs. Where characters in other OTRs have clear dialogue, the narrative is far more trackable. While in crime doesn't pay, the characters sort of do something, then we cut away before we get any more information or detail regarding anything to do with the act itself. For example, when they throw the body in the water for summer take, we don't get to spend time with the criminals after to add more character or find out what they're thinking. It could be because of the strict time frame in this particular OTR, so they had to sort of speedrun the episode. Let me know what you think though, and I'll shake it up again next week. This Wednesday coming, I've received two brand new iTunes reviews, and I'll be sharing them at the end of the episode. So alongside new horror stories, I'll be thanking those people as well. Now mates, take it easy, and as always, till next we meet.